listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Oh, baby. We're talking baseball. We're talking hoops. We're talking football. We're talking to you right now. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Along with Joel and Giselle, that's the number to call us on ESPN New York tonight here on ninety eight seven ESPN Monday night edition of the show. I'm here catching up with Carlin. Damn it! And um, we're just chatting about one of the things that that's so fascinating to me about what is the offshoot of this coronavirus, and we are taking precautions here. I've got. I'm ready for the show. I've got my wipes over here. We got our Purell over the Purell over here. We got wipes. We're good. So we're safe in here. But and Christy Ackert, who covers the Yankees for the Daily News, will join me at the bottom of the hour. And obviously, we'll talk about just a couple of the things that Carlin was talking about with situation with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and what's going on with the Yankees. How, how come they didn't know that Judge had the broken rib and all this other stuff? But the other thing. That is so interesting to me, having done it forever, for years and years and years, and having done it as a reporter for this station, covering the Mets and the Yankees, having done it, having been at at, at World Series, having been regular season, double headers, rain delays, everything. The fact that Major League Baseball has now joined MLS, NBA, NHL, in not letting reporters into the locker room slash clubhouse. And it has been a rite of passage from whenever you can think of with Major League Baseball of having reporters speak to players before the game and using and being able to get little nuggets and doing little stories. And sometimes it could be a rookie. It could be a kid who's just coming up. It could be a new recruit. It could be any type of story that you want to have. And you're chatting with them before a baseball game. Sometimes you're talking to the next day starter. Sometimes it's a player who's been injured and he just happens to walk by his, his locker in the clubhouse and you're able to get an update from that player. And now to not have access, that's going to change how baseball is covered. Listen, uh, NBA has shoot-around mornings. NHL has morning skate. And so you're able to, you know, gain some information from the coaches and a couple of players in that vein. But for me, I'm just so interested to see how the baseball writers are going to handle this because – this is this is the meat and potatoes of how baseball reporters and players learn about each other, get to know each other, and give you little nuggets during the season. And it's a long season. <laughs> 162 games, like 180 days or so. It's a long season, my friend. And... I'm so fascinated to see how this is going to work out. So we'll chat with uh, Christy Ackert at the bottom of the hour here on 98.7 ESPN's ESPN New York tonight. Hope you had a great sports weekend. It was an interesting one from the NBA standpoint. And we touched on it last night on uh, the Larry Hardesty show when we talked about the situation with Kenny Atkinson. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm a little surprised at the narrative that the Nets are spinning. And, you know, I, I listened to what Carlin had to say, and it's very similar to what Michael Kay had to say earlier this afternoon when he spoke to his sources around the Nets. And it's just, it's, it's, it's sad if you're Kenny Atkinson, okay? Because here's what it says. It says, if right now in your coaching career, You are a guy that can only get a team so far. You're not the guy that can get them the last quarter mile. 
you're you're a gosh, you're you're a six you're a seventh inning starter, but you're not a guy that can complete the game. We got to go to the bullpen. So we need we need a Garrett Cole. We need a guy who's going to take us from start to finish. And who is that going to be? And 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 will they want to deal with the situation that Kenny Atkinson could not deal with? When Kenny Atkinson says or believes, depending on what reports you hear or what newspaper you read or what internet story you read, when he says that he could tell that his voice was not the same, meaning that he lost his locker room. And that is as humbling a situation for a coach or manager to know that you're talking and they're not listening. And you sense it and you know it and you can feel it. You can tell when the guys have checked out. You can tell. You really can. Because what you used to use to get them to take that next step, you got to come up with something else. And when you run out of a game plan to do that, maybe it is time to make a move. I just don't want him, because I think I respect a lot what he was able to do, especially with this Nets team last season. Because that Nets team last season was not a playoff team. It wasn't. But he was able to will them. He was able to give them a style. He was able to get them to believe in each other. He was able to get them to work together, and the chemistry was unique. They liked each other, and they played for each other. And did he make some coaching mistakes? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Is he Greg Popovich? Is he Doc Rivers? Is he Pat Riley? No, I don't think he is in that upper tier of NBA coach. But he was a coach that was good enough to get his team that underachieved to the postseason. And maybe it wouldn't have made much of a difference, But I'm just telling you, they had trouble with physical teams all year last season. If they had some more help in the forecourt and the front court, it might have been a little different story. Maybe. Maybe. And we'll never know because he didn't have that opportunity to prove that. This year, I thought, I mean, look, he didn't have his major offseason acquisition in Kyrie Irving. I mean, he didn't have, I mean, you're arguably talking about one of the top five guards in the NBA when he plays. Top five? Gotta be. All right, top 10. How about that? Top 10. I mean, Kyrie Irving is a phenomenal player. Puts the ball on the floor, can, can create a shot for himself and anybody, can shoot the three, can shoot the mid-range jumper, can create off the dribble, can pass and get other people involved. I know there's some Net fans who want him to do it a bit more than he showed while he was in. But once again, that's the situation, and you see it with star players on new teams about earning their trust. And there was only a couple guys that he was he trusted that when he gave the ball up to, they would be able to put it in the basket. But that comes with playing. That comes with getting to know your teammates. That comes with building chemistry. There's a number of things that that comes with. And he didn't have that this season. And yet and still, Spencer Dinwiddie stepped up. Karis LeVert has played out of his mind. And they knew that you weren't going to have Kyrie for the rest of the season. Hey, guess what? He's not going to be here. And still, even in the East, they were in playoff contention. I tell you, he'd done a nice job. Okay, we, we, we understand about rotations and, you know, all the other things that people talk about, that coaching coaching styles. And if that was what Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, or what other, or other players who weren't happy about and it caused Kenny Atkinson to lose his job, so be it. But I always say this, be careful what you wish for. Because you don't know what the next head coach is going to be like. You know what this head coach was like. But suppose you end up with, oh, let's say, a Tom Thibodeau. I know he's been rumored to go to the Knicks. But let's say he ends up going to the Nets, where veteran players despise him. 
because of his work ethic and loves to practice and focuses so much on defense and loves to yell and scream at players. Suppose you end up with a guy like that. Is he the guy that can get you to the next step? And it's just so funny because you hear, I mean, you, you, people say reports are, well, you know, Kenny, he was good, but we didn't think he could get us to where we needed to go. Wow. So you hired a coach that you didn't think could win you a championship. If you didn't think that he could do it, why'd you hire him? Or was there something that you saw that said, you know what, he, we thought he could, but he can't? Was it something, it couldn't have been what he did last year, because if it was, you would have kept him. You would, I mean, you would have fired him. If you couldn't do it last year, you would have fired him. So is the move here to say, look, let's, let's get rid of him now because what happens if they, by chance, get to the postseason? And let's say they go on a hot streak when they get into the sixth seed. What happens if he wins around? I guess then you can't let him go, right? It's a fascinating situation. It really is. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. It's ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Getting your thoughts? 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. We'll take your calls in a minute. Right now, we're being joined by our special guest this evening. She does a phenomenal job in covering the Yankees for the Daily News. She is Christy Ackert, live from sunny, beautiful, warm Florida. Hi, Christy. <laughs> well, it's not so sunny or warm right now, but hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Christy, i got to ask you about this because this just jumped out at me, and we'll talk about Yankee stuff on the field and doctor's misdiagnosis and all this other stuff that you've been – fun stuff you've been dealing with since you've been in Florida. But Christy, uh-huh. the the, uh, the uh, word from Major League Baseball today, joining MLS and NBA and NHL and not allowing reporters into the clubhouse uh, un- until further notice. Christy, is this going to be until further notice or knowing some baseball players as I do, is this going to be the way it is from now on? I, I think there's certainly a fear of that. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think that uh, the league or the teams um, will be particularly concerned about us getting back into the clubhouses, and um, you know we'll have to see if the league, you know, keeps its word and, and this is only temporary. But um, I'm doubtful. So take let our audience in on this, Christy. How how different of a reporting job is it with you unable to chit chat with reported with the uh, reporters? Right, that's all we do. Sit chit chat <laughs> with reporters, waiting for guys to come in there. Uh, be able to speak to players before the game. There's certain nuggets. There's certain you know stories and things that you're able to get that uh, changes the coverage of of what you're able to bring to your your audience. Well, I mean, I think there's little things like, you know, today I saw James Paxton walk in and, you know, happened to be chatting with him. He told me he's going to start throwing on Wednesday. Those are the things you wouldn't get. Um, you know, they ha- the Yankees haven't exactly been transparent about injuries this, this spring. Um, it came from us watching, you know, a lot of like what the schedule is for, you know, certain players, whether they showed up for the batting practices or the bullpen sessions that they're supposed to be at, talking to them to kind of find out how they're feeling. You know, a lot of what we do in spring training is getting a feel for how, you know, who who the players are, Um, you know, things that we're going to write along the way in the season. Um, And not everybody's writing the same thing. Not everybody has the same... Um, you know, goal in mind. So it's it's going to be much harder if they're just bringing players out to an interview room where players are very 
unnatural. They're not themselves. Um, they're not comfortable. So it, it'll be very different. Is this going to change? Will you be able to go on the field for batting practice in this scenario? Uh, they haven't said we can't. Um, okay. I mean, we, we, I've gotten nothing from the Yankees yet. Um, I was told after I left the game today at about 5 o'clock that the Yankee clubhouse would be open at 8 o'clock in the morning. Obviously, it won't be open, but I've not heard anything from Yankees PR about what will happen or what will not happen. So I plan on showing up at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Christy Ackert, covering the Yankees of the Daily News, is my guest. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Christy, um, I know you've covered the Mets in your uh, time as well. Uh, the doctor situation has become very familiar <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah. with misdiagnosis and whatnot. Christy, here's the question that I've been asked, and I'm going to ask you because I know you, you've asked it, and everybody has asked you before. How do you miss a broken rib? Yeah, that's a tough one to understand. Um, I mean, it is a stress fracture, which, you know, are very, can be like very thin, very hard to see, but I I can't, I mean, I just can't imagine how you keep missing it when you say that you're going through 10 to 12 tests, you know, Um, plus they seem to have known how the injury happened. So it, it is hard to understand how it could happen. Um, you know, there is there is the one side of of this that is, you know, always a human element. And players tend to, particularly at that time of year, maybe not be 100% honest with how they're feeling. Um, but, you know, I would think considering the discomfort that, he, you know, Aaron Judge was having, that you would be looking at that area a little little with a little more scrutiny, but, you know, I did cover the Mets for six years. Um, I did go through last season with the Yankees, but I am not a doctor, so I can't say. <laughs> but you are familiar with misdiagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with quite a few. So what's going on with this Yankee team? I mean, more injuries they picked up right from last year. You got Stanton out. You've got Judge out. Hicks is not back until probably the All-Star break, June, July. Uh, you know, Severino was misdiagnosed. I mean, you know, I, I've got people talking. I just had a caller suggesting that maybe the Yankees go after Yasiel Puig to, to help in the, in the, in the offense, in the outfield because of all the injuries. Well, I think that's not going to happen because they did sign Garrett Cole. Um, you know, they put a lot of money into that. Uh, I don't think you're going to see the, a huge run on outfielders. Um, you might see something like a little, I would think a little smaller, but um, I, I think right now they think they can get by with what, what they have. And they think that, uh, I mean, at least for the next two weeks, they think that they will have Stanton back in April, and they're hopeful that they will have Judge back shortly after that. In your view, how is the Miguel Andujar left field outfield experiment going? Actually, very well. Uh, he um, he he almost seems natural there. Hmm. You you kind of forget he's out there, and then there's like a. You know, there's a play where the wind will catch the ball, and he might misread it a little bit, and then he'll correct himself without panicking, which is not usual for a guy who hasn't played out there for, you know, 10 or so years. Um, you know, he's – I think he's he's done very well at, in the outfield. I think they're very confident in him in the outfield. I think he is very much an option for them as an outfielder, much more so than a first baseman – you know, or an infielder at this point. Is he better right now than Clint Frazier defensively in the outfield? He doesn't have the same hesitations that Clint Frazier has in the outfield. Um, he seems to be a little freer. And, um, you know, I there are times that I think Frazier is almost overthinking his, his way out there. Um, he doesn't seem comfortable. Miguel looks a lot more comfortable out there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, Christy, you've been around Aaron Boone now for, this is your, what, second season with him? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. 
what kind of manager is he day to day? Compare him with, uh, you know, the times you had to parachute in and deal with Joe Girardi. You know, I didn't deal with Girardi very much, honestly. Um, you know, Joe seemed a little more stoic to me, mm-hmm. um, a little more buttoned up. Boone is a lot more fun, I think, with his players. Um, he's definitely a player's manager. His role is clearly to be, um, you know, in control of the clubhouse, keeping players, you know, in a good, you know, chemistry going. I think he's good at that. Um you know, maybe Joe Girardi was a little better at some of the X's and O's in game. You know, there's some questions about how Aaron Boone manages a bullpen. There's a question. I mean, there has to be some questions about how he manages some of the stars in terms that they may get a little more playing time than they should have for their own house or such. Um, but he's he's a good manager in the in the modern sense of a baseball manager. He manages the analytics department, the front office, and the clubhouse. Mm. It's uh, you know it's fascinating to watch him from a distance because you're right. Just you just look, you see that he has a better rapport with players, and you know it's it's so funny because Gary Sanchez is kind of like the barometer now because of how Girardi <laughs> dealt with him and how Boone has dealt with him. And so you look and you see there's different ways that he Sanchez seems to respond a little better. But I think there's some of us who are like, well, okay, he responded better to him, but maybe, maybe the other approach, what approach is the right way? Is is you just have to gauge these guys, right, Christy? You just never know. You gotta depends on what day. One day, what yelling at him may work, and another day it may not. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they found what does work with Gary. I mean. um Defensively, he's struggled the whole time he's been in the majors. Now they're trying this new catching coach who has a whole new stance for him, and he doesn't. He says he's comfortable. He doesn't look comfortable. Um, so, I guess we'll see. Um, Aaron Boone invested a lot of time and effort into his relationship with Gary Sanchez. He made it a point to have them on the same page. Um, and, you know, I think it would pay off. I, I also think managing Gary's workload would pay off so that he hits at the end of the year would be a little better, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, back injury with him. Uh, did he did he take batting practice today? He did not. Okay. And he will not play tomorrow, as they said. He uh, And uh, it was kind of predictable. It didn't make sense to ramp him up for one game. The team's going to the east coast of Florida for the next two days, the two days after that. Didn't make sense to ramp him up, put him in a game, then have him basically just hit live BP for two straight days and then play again on Friday. The hope is he'll play on Friday. Last thing, Christy. Um Despite all the injuries, can the Yankees get off to a decent start until the troops get back? Uh, you know, I I would say yes because of last year, but I, I wonder how many times lightning can strike. Mm-hmm. You know, they got very lucky last year with their depth. I'm not sure they have the same depth this year. Um, they, I don't know that they have Gio Urshela down in Scranton waiting. Um, maybe it's Rosal Herrera who – you know, they seem to be very high on. But, um, you know, they have Garrett Cole. That's a pretty good start. Masahiro mm-hmm. um, Tanaka's looked really good. Jay Happ looked really good today. Yeah, uh, you have good pitching, and you do start off against the Orioles. So there's some <laughs> momentum there. Uh, that's not fair. <laughs> Sorry. That's Sorry. Not, that's not fair to the Orioles. <laughs> start off with them and their struggles. Christy, thanks for a couple of minutes. We'll talk soon. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. That's Christy Ackert. Covers the Yankees for the Daily News. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two, Monday night edition of the show. Thank you for joining us. 1-800-919-3776 on Twitter. At Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Yes, even though it happened Saturday with such such a shocker, it's still one of our top stories on ESPN New York tonight. So along with that is the situation, as you mentioned, with Kenny Atkinson. And so surprisingly, on Saturday, 
here we go. It's, huh? What? He He's fired? Yeah, believe you me, that's a top story. Now here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. Sean Marks, the Brooklyn Nets GM, said... Here's the reason why we had to make a move with Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, look, I think what happens in the locker room, you know, I'd like to think stays in there. Um, I'd love to get specifics and granular on, on all different types of things. But at the end of the day, this is this is a, a compromise that both Kenny and I and ownership came up with. Um, I think I've said before that um, there was time. You know, Kenny grinded and did everything he could, but there was there was time for another voice in that in that locker room, and it's it's our job now to find it. Bobby Marks, who now works for us, formerly worked for the Nets. He says different voice. I don't think so. I don't know if I buy the new voice because Irving's been out for most of this year, and, and Durant hasn't played. So it's not like this group has been together for three or four years. And as I said, you know, when, when Dwayne Casey was in Toronto, right, it kind of ran its course. You get to uh, an Eastern Conference Finals, you get to multiple um, Eastern Conference semifinals, and you just can't get over the hump. And you go in a different direction with Nick Nurse. And I, un- I understand that rationale, but I don't, I, I don't understand the, the concept of, you know, the new voice. Our Frank Isola agrees. I can't imagine that Sean Marks, okay? Now, Sean Marks played coached and worked in the front office of the San Antonio Spurs. The entire time that he was in San Antonio, there was one coach. That was Greg Popovich. I'm not saying that Kenny Atkinson is Greg Popovich, but Sean Marks comes from an organization where they do things a certain way. They don't get rid of coaches, and they certainly don't get rid of a coach with about 20 games to go. So I I find it hard to believe that Sean Marks thought this was a great move. And, I mean, could Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant have been involved in this? Kevin Durant hasn't played in a game. Kyrie Irving's played in 20. He's barely ever around. He rehabs kind of on his own. He just had surgery. When they talk about players aren't listening, what players are we talking about? I I just find that whole thing hard to believe. It sounds like Sean Marks, in my opinion, is trying to cover for his owner who wanted a coaching change made. Ah! Maybe that's the way it is. It came from the top. Hmm. Bobby Marks was on with Anita Marks this weekend, and he kind of likes this Greg Popovich thing as well. I think he'd be the perfect fit. I really do, because I think when you look at it, Anita, is that this decision cannot come out of the box. So I think you kind of start eliminating it. You're not going to go out and get a college coach. You're not going to go out and get a, an assistant coach somewhere that's you know, probably ready to coach, but not this type of locker room, this group. And then I think you start when you start you know eliminating the names, then we're looking at probably player, uh, guys like Jeff Van Gundy and Tom Thibodeau. Of course, Mark Jackson is going to be the name. And yeah, I mean, there's nothing out there that says it, it would be you know a guy like Greg Popovich. But I think where he is in San Antonio, this team is likely not going to make the playoffs this year. They are going to be in a retooling phase because of you know the potential of maybe losing DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge on his last uh, expiring contract. That if there was someone out there for this group where you can go out and, and get a championship level coach, then he certainly would be the guy. Now it's just a matter of you know can you get him out of uh, San Antonio and would he ever want to come and take on this challenge because. If there's a team out there, although this team is, you know, 28 and 34, but the upside is that you get Durant and Kyrie hopefully healthy back and you, you know, we'll see what they can add in the, in the, um, you know, in, in free agency. So you go from the seventh or eighth seed to probably a top four seed. And, and if that's going to be the swan song of Greg Popovich, then I think that's probably the right roster. But I think we're probably still a little bit in the early phases of this, but, um, but that is a, that is a really, uh, interesting name. It definitely is. And I agree with Bobby. I just don't think you can pry him away from San Antonio. I mean, he's winning there. I mean, this he's gone to a little tough times of late, but he he knows that area. He knows that team. He's he set a culture there. Is he mentally ready to try to work to bring that culture here to Brooklyn? I don't know. And besides, if I'm San Antonio, you can't have him. <laughs> I'm not letting him go. It's going to cost you some money and draft choices to let him go. You know what? This was a good weekend for the NBA, wasn't it? Some really good games. Like the Lakers and Bucks on Friday night. That was a good one. And then yesterday, Lakers and Clippers, finally, that went down to the wire. LeBron James had a really good weekend on the court. He was unguardable. Well, except if you're 
Patrick Beverly. No challenge. Particularly the end of the game, no challenge. Can you describe the describe what it's like as a defender to when he tries to force the, the not hard at all. Hard. That's Patrick. That's Patrick Beverly, ladies and gentlemen. He's giving no quarter. Doesn't ask for one. Won't give one. So, uh, and he was fighting his way through, as Patrick Beverly does. He's one of those guys. He's a gnat. He's annoying. He just, he never goes away. He's always around you. You just wish he would leave you alone. Just like, get away from me. Just get away from me. Also, our top story today, it's official. MLS, NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL. No players in the locker room or clubhouses because of the coronavirus scare. These teams have been asked to move the availability for the media to another part of the stadium or building or arena and the media players will be brought to them. We had Christy Ackert on from the Daily News a couple of minutes ago and she talked about how different that's going to be, especially in baseball where you have before the game, you have a chance to stand in the clubhouse and talk to different players and find out their status in a number of ways. That's gone. And I'm telling you, don't be surprised. You remember old Uncle Larry told you they're not Major League Baseball is going to be like, you know, this has worked out so well. I just going to keep it like this. It's going to be a battle between them and the Baseball Writers of America. Now, I'm going to enjoy this. I've been waiting. You folks know I told you this wasn't the right move. I knew after a couple of games with the Jets when he was trailing receivers by five yards or more. This was not the right move. And it's time. Yes, it is. And Rich Samini has the news as to why I've got cool in the gang on the Monday night. Check this out. The bigger takeaway is that another cautionary tale on the pitfalls of free agency. Two years ago, the Jets were desperate for a cornerback, and they gave Johnson a five-year deal that included $34 million guaranteed at signing. It made him the second-highest-paid corner in the league. Now, look, he was a good player for the Rams. Actually, he got franchise-tagged a couple of times, but he wasn't a great player, not an elite player, never made a Pro Bowl. But the Jets were blinded by their desperation, and they dramatically overpaid. Teams do it all the time in free agency, and then a year or two later, they'll regret it. Now Johnson's gone. The Jets have another hole at corner, and they have a huge cap hit on top of it all. Tremaine Johnson. Done. Bye. Yep. Come on, y'all can celebrate. You know you didn't want him anymore. Oh, so good. I'm enjoying it. I am. He's out of here. And that's our top news stories of the day here on 98.7 ESPN. When we return, we'll take your phone calls. 1-800-919-3776. And for those of you who were going to send me those jerseys, keep them. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Your calls, 1-800-919-3776. John's in Jersey. Hey, John, you're next on 98.7. Larry. What's up, John? How you doing, my man? Great. Good. Good, good, good to hear. Hey, listen, I'm actually excited about the possibility that the Jets have. I think Joe Douglas is is going to do us right. And there's two ways that we can go, and just let me know what you think. I think uh, we can go free agency, uh, to fix this O line, maybe trade for a Trent Williams, then we can go wide receiver in the second or third round because this class is historically deep. I mean, there's going to be wide receivers with first round grades going in the second round. Or if he doesn't pick up someone that he likes, we can draft one of these top four tackles and then still grab us a wide receiver. But I'm happy that Tremaine Johnson is off this roster. He was terrible. He got benched for. Basically, guys that won practice squads and guys who weren't even playing that much. And I just think Joe Douglas is off to a fantastic start with this team. John, I agree. I'm excited to see what he can do, too. And part of the reason is because of, like I said earlier, he's he's learned that the knee of Ozzie Newsome, who I consider one of the top GMs in, in, the, in the sport of football, 
ever. I mean, he what he was able to do with that Baltimore Ravens team drafting was he was able to give them sustainable success, and that's the role of a general manager. John, when the general manager is doing that, and thanks for the phone call, that's what that's where you earn your money. And even leaving, he left him in good shape. <laughs> he left him in good shape walking out the door. So yeah, I'm excited for that as well. Uh, I but here's my thinking. You got to be careful with free agent O-linemen because for me, if they're really, really good O-linemen, they don't get to free agency, my friend. You lock those guys up because they're worth gold. So I think my thinking would be you sprinkle in free agency, but if you can find a way to draft a couple of really good O-linemen, and you mentioned – that the wide receiver core is deep, I'll take a wide receiver in the third round. If I can get a couple of old linemen or an old lineman and a pass rusher in the first couple of rounds, I'll, I'll wait and get a wide receiver in the third round. And then I'll check the free agency and see where I can go to, you know, maybe if I have to get a wide receiver in free agency, maybe I'll do that. But once again, my, my main priority, if I'm Joe Douglas, is the trenches, both sides, offensive line, defensive line, all right, because that's where games are won. I've got a young quarterback back there. I want him to improve. I want him to be confident that he can move around in the pocket, know that he's got some time, and he got to improve that offensive line. And by the way, they've got one signed veteran coming back. And that's Brian Winters to that offensive line for the Jets. One. Veteran. One. Everybody else is, you know, you gotta make a, you gotta make a decision on. So, do you bring Beecham back? Do you bring Beecham back? And instead of the left tackle spot, you put him in right tackle and you draft a, a, a left tackle and then you fill in with either a draft choice, another draft choice or a free agent or you elevate one of your guys. What do you do? I'm confident that Joe Douglas will have the right move. I really am. So I'm with you. I think he'll do a very, very good job. I'm excited to see what he's able to pull off. So we talked a little bit about uh, Kenny Atkinson and what's going on with him and the Nets. And uh, Jay Blaze NYC weighs in. Uncle L, Uncle L, what happens next year if, one, Nets players don't get the head coach they want? Two, it's clear KD isn't KD anymore. Three, they aren't the first or second favorite to come out of the East. Four, would Kyrie leave again, or would they get that head coach fired as well? It's a crazy scenario, right? You're just not really sure what could happen. I think here's the big key for Brooklyn is that will KD be KD? That's the big question. Now, apparently, it looks like he's coming along fine. You, people have seen him shooting, and, you know, the rehab's going well. The question, obviously, is going to be, how does he respond to the quick movements on the court? In a controlled situation where he's just standing and shooting, he's getting better. I'm sure he is. He's doing his exercises. He's doing his rehab. He wants to get better. He's determined. He wants to show what he can do. He's that type of player. He's going to be the best he can be before he gets back out there. And I hope that he recovers 100%, that you see the same KD that you've seen be just dominant in OKC and even more so with Golden State. That would be great to see. If he isn't, or how will you manage him? Will you have to put load management on him for his first season back? What would you have to do? So all that is going to determine how well and how far the Nets go. Because clearly with the team they have and Kyrie, if he has a similar season that he's had previously where you say, look, we know he's going to miss some games because unfortunately he has. So if he's going to miss, what, 15, 20 games, okay? So instead of 82, you get 60 regular season games from him and you have low management from Kevin Durant. Okay, is that going to be enough to get you to 1-2 in the East? Okay, 
Milwaukee is still going to be Milwaukee, right? If anything, they're going to be even better because of the experiencing going forward. And they'll, if they don't get where they need to go, they'll make an adjustment and retool a player or two and try to get back. Toronto did not take a step back this year. Okay. I don't know what's going to happen in Philly <laughs> with them. I don't know when Ben Simmons comes back, if Joel Embiid, you know, when he plays, or is, are they going to split them up in the offseason? I guess that depends on what happens in the postseason. The Boston Celtics are a team that, listen, with Gordon Hayward playing better, they seem to be playing better. So I don't know what to expect from them. I don't know, are they going to be the same team? What choice, what other moves they're going to make? So already I've named four teams that, right now would be better than the Nets. But who's to say if you have a healthy KD and a healthy Kyrie, maybe they're number three. Maybe they're better than Toronto. I mean, I don't know. But those two guys are the nucleus of your team. And so who the next head coach is, what his style of play is going to be, how's he going to deal with the with the locker room, Will everybody be happy with their roles because people's roles are going to change? All right, when you're Spencer Dinwiddie, when you're Karis LeVert, when you're Joe Harris, and you've been in a certain role, if you're Jared Allen, who's been a starter, and now you're coming off the bench, and now you're waiting to see what happens with the new head coach, are you, depending on who that coach is, are you going to be, you know, just overjoyed and and just be happy with whatever role you have? Or are you going to say, are you going to be willing to make the sacrifice to make the team better? Will you see that sacrifice from the starters, from the new guys on the team? Are they going to lead you to believe or be the leaders and say, come on, guys, we can do this. Let's let's pull the rope tighter. Let's all pull together in the same way and let's go do this. That's going to start with the head coach. And if it's Tyron Lue, because you know that's who Kyrie would like because he's got experience with him. He was working in Cleveland with him. So he's got experience. He knows what kind of coach Tyron Lue is. He knows the game plan. He knows the offense. He knows how his coach thinks. So I guess for Kyrie Irving, if he had a vote, he would say, listen, give me Tyron Lue. Because he's got a ring. <laughs> he knows what to do. That's going to be the interesting thing, how everybody adjusts to the new head coach. Because you heard in our where we dropped the audio from our top stories. These are basically the same, except for three players. This is the same team that was here last year. This is the same team that you looked as though that they would go through a wall for Kenny Atkinson. And with 19, 20 games left, they're like, Psh, He'll know what he's talking about. We're done. It's interesting. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. With the chickens like Popeye, Popeye. It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. By the way, Net fans, you may not see LeBron James Tuesday night. He may sit troublesome groin again. Busy man this weekend, though. He Listen, I understand that people think, and I understand the opinion that you would have about Giannis being the MVP, and why wouldn't you? His team has got the best record. They've been from wire to wire so far. They've been dominant. They have dominated teams. Dominated teams. I mean, what? They just got to double digits in losses tonight? They got like 10 losses. I mean, give me a break. But this weekend, you saw LeBron actually do a pretty good defensive job on Giannis. And then you saw what he did yesterday against the Clippers. So this might be a load management day for... uh LeBron and the Lakers against the Nets. Also, I was checking out uh, my good friend Don LaGreca's timeline on his uh, Twitter page. Woo! No, it was okay, Don. It's nothing 
weird. Pythagorean theorem says. It's just, you know, I love checking out to see what, what's going on with him. Things are happening at night. And on his timeline, he retweeted John Shannon. And check this out on Twitter. NHL is aware of the Santa Clara County ban on large gatherings, okay, because of the coronavirus. So now they are looking at all options, which are the following in no particular order. That is play to an empty building, neutral site, play in visitors building, or postpone and reschedule. This virus is going to play havoc with your sports schedule over the next couple months. It's going to play havoc. I was listening to Carlin earlier, 7 to 10, Monday through Friday here on 987 ESPN. And the idea of what are we going to do with the March Madness NCAA tournament next week? Okay, you've got kids going back and forth, traveling with teams. There could really be games in empty buildings. Because of the fact that, you know, you've got them in these major arenas and they want to, you want to be arm's length. You can't even move. The kids are standing next to each other, jumping on top. It's, it's going to be hard. You're looking at the NBA and NHL playoffs. Could they be in empty arenas? If this continues, Major League Baseball, will opening day be pushed back or will you have opening day with no fans? I mean, this is, this is really interesting to see how this is going to go and how far this goes. It really is. And I'm, and listen, I admire you folks. I, I keep hearing, I keep hearing it. You're consistent. We put a Twitter poll up last week and we asked, would, would this virus alter your sports on-site sports experience? And 70% of you said no. And I keep hearing the callers. Most of you are like, I'm still going to games. I'm still going. I want to be there when my teams play. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. He's next on 987 ESPN. Hey, Trey. I know he might be the king and all that, but like my man P. Bev said, yeah, it's easy. Don't even worry about it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. That's why he should be in New York, Larry. God, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Larry. That's the attitude you're but, supposed to have. That's the attitude you said. Larry, he's got a west side of Chicago mentality. If you do not know Patrick Beverly's backstory, that yeah, kid is all grit. Yeah. He is all grit, man. And I he that's is. what we that that's what I like, man. I you know, color me a dude from the park, man. That that's where I grew up, man. That's how we got it. You know, saying in the park, you you go for what you know. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I'm saying? And I don't care how tall you are. Like I told you before, Larry, I used to come to the gym. I used to go to the park with guards. We were all guards. Mm-hmm. So we were small. Yeah. You know, and it was five of us. And then everybody was like, yo, you got your five? Yeah, I got my, yeah, yeah I got my five. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then you go for what you know, because that's what you do in the park. That's you know right. what I'm saying? But, you know, the king had a good week, man. Tiger come and smile in the mall, Larry. You oh, know buddy. Oh, buddy. Ear to ear, dude. You should yes, see his is. timeline on Twitter. He goes crazy. <laughs> but he's talking truth, though. And he's yeah. a Laker fan. He's a real Laker fan, so yeah. he's talking truth. Yep. Yeah, LeBron. Do, let me ask you a quick question. Do you believe that LeBron has catapulted himself back ahead of Giannis for the MVP? I think he's tied him for the MVP. I, I can't. So dis- I can't. Dis- I can't say he's gone ahead because the team is still playing well. But I will say this: if they continue to lose while Giannis is on the bench, that helps Giannis. <laughs> and it does. It does. It helps his cause, right? It because does. That, that actually is the most valuable player. Yep. He's the most valuable player to your yep. team. Your team is different when he's on the bench. And you um, saw that, that the Lakers are different when LeBron is, even with Anthony Davis. They're different right. with LeBron on the bench. They just are. Okay. They just are. Let me look. Okay, I got another question for you. Yes, sir. Is Anthony Davis LeBron's best number two ever? <sighs> I think he, ooh. Was Dwayne Wade number one and number two? Absolutely. Uh, well, he's, of course. Come on. Of course. Wade's number one. He's not better than Dwayne Wade, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's not better than Wade. He got, he got, he got to he's show me something. If he showed me something, as of right now, I can't say. 
He got now, he got a, he got to get some hardware now, Trey. He got to get some hardware. As an individual player, they play different games. He could be more Absolutely. dominant. Clearly, he could be more dominant. He could hit the three. He could. I mean, Anthony Anthony Davis is a phenomenal player. Phenomenal. Absolutely. But you know what? He. I need to see him do a better job when LeBron's not around. Agreed. That's what Agreed. I need to see I, from him. I, I, I need him to take that next step. That too. That's what I, I need. I need him to take that next that. step when he's not and there. I was, I was looking at that in the game yesterday when, um, when uh, Vogel was trying to give LeBron a blow and trying to see, and, and he did. You know, he's he's got to step up in those little four to yes. five minute stretches in the third quarter. At the end of the third quarter, when LeBron's getting the blow, he's yeah. got to be able to step up and, and run that second team. Yeah. And the key to the Lakers is going to be their bench. You got to no cancel question. out the King and you cancel out AD because they're so dominant. Yeah. It's the Contavious Caldwell Pope's of the world. It's the uh, Marcus uh, Marquise Morris's of the world. Yeah. Those are going to be the ones that get you through those seven game series. The and key, real quick, Larry, the key who guy, did you talk about people that was that, that got to uh, give jerseys back? What did you talking about? That's the, your jersey. The key guy, Trey, for them is Kuzma. Yeah, that's who yeah. needs to really yeah. have a series. If they could get Kuzma rolling, where they could say, you know what, Kuzma's going to give us eighteen and 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 eight, they would be a really tough team. They'd be a really Watch tough out. team. And by Watch the way, I, I'm putting my I'm putting my jersey on eBay. I'm done. <laughs> and I'm gonna buy it and send it right back to you, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm so happy. Larry, oh, Trey! I was so happy when I saw that today. Oh, Larry, it did my heart so good, man. Oh, Trey! I don't, I don't, how much is the cap hit, Larry? I don't even care. But just humor me. How much is the cap hit? It's substantial, but I don't care either. I don't even care. That's okay. He's gone. He's gone. I'll double it to get him out of town. He I mean, is the worst free agent oh. signing in the history of the New York Jets. Oh, it was the bad. Worst. It was bad. All they three seasons. All they had to do. See, here was the thing. Okay, if they hadn't said shut down corner, right? If they right. hadn't said they shut down corner, you know, uh, okay, we all make mistakes, but you, 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 you said shut down corner. And paid him like a shutdown and corner. Paid him thirty-four million dollars oh. guaranteed, oh. Larry. He laughed all the way to the bank. He, he got us all, Larry. He did. He, did. he got us all, he did. Larry. And we thought we were getting the play, Larry. Do you remember being on the air? Yeah. You remember how happy we were? That's oh, it. We got God. a corner. We got the now we got, I, a corner. we got a corner now. We got a number one corner. They say shut down. I got to see because I seen shut down corner. I don't know about that. But we got a corner. We got a guy. And then it was week one. And I'm like, how's he trailing every receiver on every play? Okay, maybe he had a bad game. 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 Five games later, was clean, Joe. He still yeah, and I got a good view of it. Because he was trailing everybody, I got nothing to see but the back of the back of his jersey. I knew Johnson. I saw it, Johnson. I'm does so glad Norman. He's gone. Does Norman bother you in Buffalo? No, um, okay. but I do think it it elevates them if he can go back to being Josh Norman. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. There yeah, he was, and I don't know if he can go back to being Josh Norman. I don't see, think so. See, man. that's going to be the question. Father time is undefeated with quarterbacks, brother. Yeah, because you lose a step, you're done. That's it. You become a safety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Trey. You're right. This is ESPN New York Tonight.